1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to our fourth and final session in our ABM summer webinar series. We are super excited to round out the week with Jen and Todd talking about how you can measure and improve the ROI of your ABM campaigns. Um, it's going to be super interesting discussion with a couple of different perspectives from some of the best in the industry. So again, we've got a jam packed day today, and I'm going to hand things over to Sangram.
2: Thank you, Bailey. All right, this is the fourth in this series, and, and so just so you know, all now. We did target on Monday. So if you want to go ahead and listen, how do you target better? Go to listen to Monday's one. We talked about engagement. Talked about how do you engage better once you figure out who are the right accounts. So that was on Tuesday. Yesterday was activating your sales team, which I think you both will be super interested to get into. And today is all about measurement, right? You know, like really looking into like, how do you measure success? And, and we couldn't think of other two people other than both of you, because Jen, you are running sales and marketing both of the sides right so we're not gonna have any sales talk or market talk you speak for both so we're gonna have real talk from you and then Todd you have been changing you are running marketing obviously at turnout start sales I sometimes think that you run marketing too sales at, at Terminus and it has been taking us on this amazing ride and, and there's so many changes and lessons and failures and success so I feel like both of you can are, are just gonna be phenomenal so let's start with fun introductions. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself, starting with Jen, and also a fun fact, and then we'll jump into measurement.
3: Awesome. So uh, thank you so much. I'm Jen Spencer. I'm the Vice President of Sales and Marketing at SmartBug Media, and we are an intelligent inbound marketing agency focused on revenue Mm -hmm. growth. And I've been with SmartBug for just about two years. Before I was here, I was a marketing and sales leader at Software. our company allbound and before that nettime solutions and way back when started my career as a high school English and theater arts teacher before moving into the nonprofit space so worked in all kind of all aspects of of uh, marketing and sales um, and yes teaching high school is sales for sure 100 percent minute that's actually not my fun fact my fun fact is I'm a mom of twin teenagers actually 15 and a half and one of those right now as we speak as I speak, is getting his driving learner's permit. The other one oh, is wow. motivated, but that other one is getting his permit right now. He's already passed the test. So he's getting the paperwork and I'm skipping wow. it.
2: That is crazy. What is your blood pressure level as, as he's
3: Well, and over spring break, when we were in Cabo San Lucas, he, he was being like catty and he actually flipped the golf cart like completely over. So, I'm a little stressed.
2: <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. This will be a therapy session for you. This whole conversation is going to be a great therapy session for you. All right, Todd, what's on your side? Yeah, yeah. So hey, everybody, Todd McCormick, Chief Revenue Officer here
0: at Terminus. Um, been here going on three years. Prior to that, um, you know, five years with another Martech um company, Silverpop, and took them through the IBM acquisition. And so, you know, I just I, I love the problem that we're calling for love, helping sales and marketing, you know, be more efficient in the go to market. Um, You know, so just, you know, excited to share some of the things you know, to your point earlier, it's like any other organization, you know, we've learned a lot as we're continuing to evolve our go to market strategy and really leverage an ABM as a, as a key pillar to that. So looking forward to sharing there. You got a fun fact, you know, I probably am the only CRO that sprained their MCL doing the limbo at a MarTech conference. I'd say that would be the best one.
2: Oh and, and we have pictures to prove that, like before and after Todd's facial reaction of what happened when he was doing Limbo. And which conference was it? It
3: was Marketo Nation last yeah. year.
2: Yes. Never yeah. Never have uh never have a tequila party beforehand. So that's my tip. <laughs> that's great. All right, now that we've got oh the you know, the glass is broken. At this point, yeah. so let let's just talk about sales and marketing, and and I really want to get into this because this is a question we get. And as audience, you're listening to this, just drop in your questions because if your questions come in, we're gonna start asking those questions as opposed to what I have listed down over here. I want to really get to your your questions. So Jen, maybe we start with you, and Todd can just jump in as you as you feel you want to get into this thing. Is this the, the whole idea of analytics and metrics when it comes to canvas marketing is challenged the traditional way of looking at things so Jen are the metrics changed from the way you were looking at it traditionally from inbound because i know you're doing both inbound and outbound so you can talk about both of that what's the importance of each one of them and what are the metrics are they have they changed are the new metrics just bring us up to speed of how you look at metrics in the new world of ABM
3: sure so one of my favorite things that i hear when i meet you know new new client or you know prospective client is they say to me here's my challenge marketing was responsible for 10% delivering 10% of all revenue to you know last year and now this year it needs to be 30% i love that because now we can actually start to build key performance indicators and start tracking metrics that have to do with the ultimate goal which is revenue so I'm hearing more and more of that as I have conversations with prospective and current clients versus I need to, I need to generate X number of MQLs or X number of SQLs. And it makes me happy to, to see that kind of change happening. Now, I do know that we're on, that's, this, this is the bleeding edge, right? So there are still plenty of organizations that, that haven't gotten quite there yet. I'm, but but again, I'm starting to hear those revenue numbers kind of more and more. And then from there, you can actually start building out the metrics that are going to make the most sense based off of your sales cycle length, right? Your buying committee, and you know what goes into that to that buying process. That's been been really exciting. But what it also means is there isn't necessarily one kind of metric or KPI that is always going to work for every single organization that's going to be kind of the same. Everyone, you have to come up with your own, although all tend to focus on like how much are we able to penetrate an account and engage with an account. And obviously, you know, um, how, how much can we influence the velocity of the deal and help speed up that sales cycle? Those are the metrics that, that we tend to focus on here. As well.
0: Gotcha. I love that. Right. Like I think for, for me, it's, while well, historically, I think that you know sales and marketing wanted to have the same number, and even those organizations that were tied to a revenue number, you know, marketing I think um, kind of kind of felt short shorted in that equation prior because it's like you know they could just create the you know top of the funnel demand, and then there wasn't a lot that marketing could really do to influence you know velocity and and you know deals moving through. And what I love about ABM or anything else is like it's not just top of the funnel you know, metrics that we're talking about. It's like, okay, so what can we do together to move deals faster through increase in win rates and velocity and sales cycle, right? And then we get into looking at, you know, the the success side of our business and our customers and you can leverage ADM strategies to understand, you know, impact on retention and upsell and, and cross-sell. And so, you know, while, you know, marketing and sales have wanted to own that same number, I think it's um, easier to do that now because, I truly feel that you can align with marketing throughout the entire life cycle of a customer today, versus top of the funnel, where before it was like, "Well, the reason it's not converting, it's because of sales." Right? Well, now we now we both have an impact there, so it's it's really changed the whole dialogue.
3: We're gonna get into like, Sam probably gonna like jump around to like some other question that you're gonna ask, but something I want to add to what what you said, Todd, is I think I think marketers and sales leaders have all known like this is what they need to be doing. But this is, there are some top top level, like executive level decisions that need to be made and adjustments that need to be made. I personally can speak from the experience of, not, a, not at this organization, but at a previous organization where I was responsible for a marketing number. And I had a goal, I had like a quarterly bonus, a dollar, like a, a commission that's associated with it. And that number was based off of net new, like, marketing callback, okay? Mm-hmm. Very, very common. So in that quarter, the company experienced record-breaking numbers. We, we sold more than we had ever. We sold, had more bookings than we had in the past, okay? And we decreased our, our sales cycle length, okay? Mm-hmm. So we did a great job, but I didn't hit my number. I didn't get my bonus because I didn't hit that MQO number. And as an executive, I mean, as an executive, if you're the CEO, CRO. Yeah, so whoever you are in the organization, really want to be thinking about what are the comp plans that you have? How are you incentivizing your team to make sure that you're focused on achieving the right kind of growth goals for the organization and not just assigning, assigning you know, a, 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 a condition to some some number that someone pulled out of, the, out of thin air and board Oh man, I,
2: oh, this this takes me back back to my, my days at like on and Salesforce. I remember where it, it was, there was a month where we hit every single record. And then uh, the next week, uh, I remember my head of sales coming in. Hey, that was awesome. Can you generate a thousand more leads starting next month? And I just sunk in my seat. I'm like, what do you think I am? A coin operated like lead machine? Like what's going on over here? Can we start focusing on maybe converting more of these deals into into those things. But I think it comes down to, and you both tell me if this is correct as a marketer, because I feel like now I'm on both sides of it, is it comes down to trust, right? It, I feel like the sales didn't have the confidence in marketing that they knew enough about the leads that they're giving to sales. So sales wasn't falling up on it. And then marketing was just giving more and more. And then you're just spending more money in content syndication and trying to buy leads pretty much. But it's just changed. In this world of ABM that we are in, and I know that a lot of people who are listening to this, they are in the early stages of ABM. They're early. They like they believe in the philosophy. They believe that ABM is the right way to do it. It makes sense to them that you want to go after the right account. You want to engage it the right way. You want to kind of convert them into customers because they are the best fit accounts. But they don't know how to measure the interim steps of success in absence of an immediate lead conversion. That was the instant gratification. So. So how each of you have been able to go through this process of like less number of accounts to go after, not thousands, because I know, Todd, we changed that for our sales team, which changed how many accounts they focus on. That itself is a big change for the organization. And then start focusing on different metrics. Could you give us a couple of metrics that you're measuring that are new and the milestones to see success from an ABM program perspective? Well, I think one thing that you
0: hit on, right, was the trust and, and, uh, you know, trust is built over time, right? I think, you know, you can start off and, you know, we can get executive level buy-in, but, and, you know, until we get some things in motion, right, and trust isn't completely built. And I think one thing that I would recommend is like, don't overanalyze like your strategy. I think, you know, start small and, and start getting going on some, you know, some programs so that you can start to exercise those muscles to get to a place of like, okay, we, we agree, like, this is and not working and that builds trust it's interesting you brought that up and I, and I think around like how my team interacts with marketing you know today versus like three years ago it's interaction through you know down to like reps or, or spending time with our marketing team and thinking about hey look I've got these five accounts I'm trying to go after let's get creative in a one-to-one program hey you know here's an opportunity that you know, they, they seem to be gone, you know, gone dark for a little while. Can we crank up some engagement, you know, programs for them? And I, and so like this, this, just like collaboration that's happening, you know, between my entire sales organization and our marketing department, it's daily. Right. But like that didn't happen overnight. Right. Like early on, people were still skeptical. Wait a second. Like we're going to go after less accounts and like we're going to still be able to hit my number. Right. There's, you know, there's concern there. Right. They're like, What's our content strategy in align with my sales motion, right? Like we got to build trust there, right? Like so, you know, this thing is is a build strategy, you know. But I, I feel like so many organizations are waiting for this perfect moment of alignment to hit go, and I feel like that alignment happens when you start small and get going, and you, and you just have an agreement that we're going to review this on an ongoing basis together. And the outcome of that is where you know, frankly, where our organization is, just daily interaction between sales and marketing, and how we can improve and everything that we're, you know, we're doing.
3: Yeah. I, you know, I, I'll i jump in there too. I mean, I, I agree that that trust does take time, but it's really important to document what your plan is, what your goals are, and also what the strategy and having that, having that documented, having that shared, having it something that's, that you can focus on, on a regular basis. I mean, and, and and I'm I'm a very tactical person, right? So like here, I love to share, like here's an exact example of, of something you can do, right? So we re- re- created our ICP and our buyer personas and presented it to the team, you know, everybody, even outside of sales and market, right? Everyone in the organization needs to understand like this is who our ideal customer is. This is these are the people that we're interested in focusing on that 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 would make good, good customers for us. But then it's like, okay, how can we take it one step further? So we use uh, marketing technology. We use Sixter, right? And with great thing about Sixter is you can have internal and external email signature campaign. So we built an internal email signature campaign that reminded the team, when we're sharing, you know, emails back and forth, that hey, our buyer personas have been updated. Remember, like here to review the training or to review the deck. Like you, can, you, you need. We like we know as marketers that okay it takes multiple touches you can't just say something once to this external audience and all of a sudden they're gonna like see the light right why do we think the same thing about our internal teams right you have to actually market internally market those those but the other thing I wanted I wanted to add just because I know there are a lot of people who are looking for like okay now how do I measure like how do I what can I specifically do so one one thing we're like in the process of doing right now is. We had tons of content that was gated, just like, you know, very traditional inbound tactic, right? Like write a long form, like 2,500 word ebook, that might like, create it as a PDF, have it as a download. And, you know, I just said, listen, like I don't care about the lead number, I'm not checking to see like how many people downloaded this asset. I want to know if what we provided to them is helping them and it's moving them along their buyer journey. And if we're creating a better rapport and engagement with this organization. So we ungated all of it, right? Uh, we have it in like this page format. But then the way you measure it is you use a tool like um, Hotstar or we use Lucky Orange that gets heat map. Now you can come up with some smart goals that are associated with heat maps. So you can see how far down the page are people actually reaching? Are they just looking at it once or are they actually consuming the information that you're providing? And then you can build metrics around that, and I think that that marketing happy, that makes your executive team happy because it's hard to say, "Hey guys, just trust us; we're working toward the same goal." I know executives and board members they want to see, like, (laughs) "All right, how do we know we're on track? What are the mile markers?"
2: Yeah, we. You know, it's funny. We had a customer yesterday here at at the Drumis office. I'm not going to tell their name because they have told us not to. And it's it's, and it sounds. Okay, but it's, it's true. They said, don't talk about our name because we believe that in the market, if people find out what we're doing with, with your technology and all that stuff, they, our, our competitors are fast followers and in our, in our industry is very, very small. So as soon as they figure out, you know, we'd be out a little bit of a runway, so let us enjoy the slummy. So we were like, okay, fine. We're not going to tell you a story. But they explained, and, uh, and, and Todd was there, so you can attest to this. They talked about this idea that for every dollar they spend in marketing, They're able to go and tell to their CEO that, hey, in the existing business, a dollar spent in marketing will drive $9 in booking, and they have metrics to show that. And then they said, hey, for the new business, for a dollar spent in marketing, we know that it will at least bring $4 in pipeline revenue. So so they have started to create that given answer, because every single CEO out there in the world, this is what they want. I wonder if it's possible for most organizations or is it like, all right, they got it. Maybe they got it figured out. And I'm, I'm just really curious.
3: I mean, we have the same stories, right, of our of our clients. So the, 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 where it's like the most challenging are, are two places. One are our disparate technology solutions. So when their stacks aren't integrated, that's going to cause a lot of a lot of chaos yeah. and Probably some of the most pain I see is in the, the medical and healthcare space because of the compliance and these poor marketers are. I mean, they're, they're it's that's definitely a challenge for them to kind of align kind of marketing with you know actual customer customer outputs and revenue. But you know, the more you can do that, and then the second thing, honestly, is it's just taking the time. And you know, if I could change one thing about like some of the some of the things I see among our client base is. Nobody wants to take the yeah. time. No one wants to spend their like their marketing resources on analyzing the, the data. Yeah. Like, they they want to use it to like build the next thing, right? Like create the next kind of shiny object. And the organizations that actually say no, like let's 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 actually like set aside the resources to focus on analysis. Those organizations are so much better off it because now they they know where to spend their money and you know, they, they've got it right there in writing but it, it's hard when they have external forces expecting them to be delivering you know another trade show another webinar another ebook there's only so many hours in the day right yeah
0: yeah i think it's a great point right i think you know the, the the number one challenge that we hear on the measurement side is, you know, I'm working in, you know, three different systems and like, how do I bring this data together to, you know, to, to tell me really what's going on and take action on it. And I think that look, we're fortunate, right? Like we're using our technology. And so that gives us, I think, an advantage, right? But like, there's a lot of people out there. That are still operating spreadsheets or trying to use, you know, reporting in Salesforce and it's just, it just makes it really tough. And so what we try and do in those situations is, at least get, like, some, you know, sample groups, right? And, like, let's just look at what you, you know, your your data from before you started with a new initiative, right? Let's get a group of accounts and what you can run running programmatic, kind of traditional, you know, demand gen strategies, too. Let's look at the conversion rates there, right? And let's run an isolated program for a set of 50 accounts and look at the data, you know, over a 60, 90-day period of time so you can start to see, you know, where this is having an impact. because. In most cases, it's not, you know, most people have a longer sales cycle than 90 days, right? You know, and so you've got to do some of the A-B testing and look at these two cohorts to see, like, are we making an impact? Because you've got to show some sort of lift in engagement in an A-B-M strategy early on, or it could be shut down. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, for us, it was like, all right, let's look at our conversion rates. Let's run these programs to it. And we were able quickly to see, like, where we were having the biggest impact was early on in conversions from, like, stage one to stage two, right? And, like, so that was telling us, like, you know, leading indicators are that we're making an impact here, right? Let's let's put more fuel in that fire. And so, you know, that's what we're trying to do with a lot of our customers um, and future customers is helping them just figure out how do we set up that, those groups so they can,
2: we can actually show we're making an impact early on. of that. All right, so we're gonna jump out, jump in questions in a, in a minute. One thing I wanted to get you your real quick reaction. I posted this on LinkedIn and I thought cringes every time I'm like, man, there you go, Sagan so posting on LinkedIn. Uh, but I posted like, as always, some curious questions to just get a feel because I feel LinkedIn is, is a really interesting platform for people to get a pulse over what people might be thinking and interested. And sometimes some topics just go crazy. I posted this thing yesterday around how relevant are MQLs, SQLs, and lead scoring in this brave new world of ABM? And I like—I mean, it is—it is a because I came from Quora, like you know, your uh, dad came from Silver We—we, we, I mean, we all have preached all, all of us in our worlds of like, well, this is important, this is the way to go. And the reality of like what I'm hearing from a lot of our customers and and just out there is like, hey, look. If you're going out only 100 accounts, and let's say any one of those accounts come to your website, do you really need to go through this gates that you have created around, oh, marketing needs to first qualify that, and then a salesperson needs to, SDR needs to re-qualify that and talk to the person. Then they need to be scored and make sure it's all good, and then they need to go to the AE. you really want to waste that much time when you know that one of the top 100 accounts that you focus as an organization has actually come to your website. Why wouldn't you just go directly and give it to your sales team to go for it? Well, what's your take? I'll share some of the thoughts in a second. But what are, what is your take on that?
3: I mean, I was having an opinion, Todd. Do you want to go first, or do you, opinion <laughs> you No,
0: know, I want to hear yours, Jim. <laughs> I
3: have an opinion on everything. Okay, so first of all, so you should have. There's no just like we're just doing EVM or we're just doing inbound. That's a bunch of BS, right? So you're doing both, right? Uh, you want to be a health organization, and and you you decide okay. In, in my opinion, if it's at one of your it's one of your target accounts, someone's one of your someone's at one of your target accounts, and they're showing interest in your organization. There's absolutely no reason why they should be held back through some kind of you know marketing process. So you have to have two different processes based off of the tactics, right? Those those strategies. So hey, this is one of our named accounts. This is this has an account owner, someone's working this particular account. That is considered like it's super hot. it goes right, kind of goes right to sales, right? The other thing I'll add when it comes to MQLs, SQLs, lead scoring, oh, my goodness, when people usually you think you need lead scoring, you probably need lead qualification. So the only reason why you should ever implement lead scoring is if you are getting such high inbound volume, qualified leads, so you can say, hey, this is somebody who I know for a fact, based off of their form submission, they have, they, they, or based off of what data enrichment we have from, you know, maybe Discover Org or some other kind of work uh, uh, platform, we know that they meet our ICP. We know that they meet their one of our buyer personas, you know, they're you know in like this particular region or territory, and you have so many of those that your sales team, your EDR, SDR team could not possibly get through them all in, in a setting. In that case, you need lead scoring. But what we see are so many marketers that are implementing lead scoring when they really are just lacking in actual lead qualification and actually having processes on paper for how to deal with and how to manage accounts that, you know, account individuals that you're targeting versus the other people who are going to be flocking to you because of the amazing brands, you know, and the community that we built as an organization.
1: I mean, I think,
0: you know, the thing that I would add there too is, you know, what's, what's the bad thing about an MQL that's coming in from one of your targeted accounts, right? Like, like that's a great thing, you know? And, And so like, you know, what you should be, you know, looking at is like if we're running, you know, really effective scalable ABM programs, like our traffic to our website and, you know, our leads coming in should be coming from our target accounts, right? Like you should be looking at that, that mix. And are we seeing an increase and, you know, engagement on our website and conversions from our target accounts because of our ABM programs, like versus, you know, historical, right? Like, so there's a no rep on my team that wouldn't want to lead from a targeted account, right? You know, um, and so that's what you should be looking at, you know, when you're analyzing, you know, your, your lead flow and just seeing like are the programs that we're doing today, are they driving the right brands to our website? And fantastic. We're headed in the right direction.
3: You're my brain is my brain's going to like, what are all the things that could possibly go wrong? And like, as a marketer, why would I be afraid to pass somebody over to sales? And if I think about what that is, that means that I, as a, if that's the case, it means that as a marketer, I haven't properly or effectively enabled my sales team to be successful in communicating with this type of buyer at this stage of their journey, right? And so just because, you know, just because somebody who may or may not be on the buying committee at an organization that's on your target account list, attends this webinar, you know, any 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 event, right? That doesn't mean that, uh, that you should treat that person the same way you would treat someone who requested a demo or requested a consultation, right? So, but but, but sales reps, they have to be enabled. They have to, they have to be empowered with the right kind of tools and information to be able to effectively communicate to those individuals so you don't kind of scare them off and leave a bad taste in their mouth there's, you know, starting their experience of getting to do what you as an organization. Love that. All right. All right, I'll let Bailey kind of jump in with questions as they're coming in.
1: Yeah, so feel free to submit your questions. The first question that I'd like to pose to you both is a two-part question. So uh, opinion question, what do you think are the most valuable metrics to report on when reporting on the success of your ABM programs? And the second part of that would be if you are super early on in your ABM journey and maybe you're not entirely ready to switch totally over to like shifting away from those inbound metrics, which ones do you think they can like dip their toes in first?
3: I think you should take the first part and I'll take the second part. Okay, perfect.
0: Well, I think, you know, look, if you're, if you've identified a list of X number of accounts, right? Like what would be the most meaningful metric for you to say my program's working, right? And it would be looking at engagement data. Are (laughs) are our programs driving our target accounts in our buying committee's to our website and our content, right? Like that is the early indicator that we're creating the right awareness, you know, whether that's a mix of advertising, email, direct mail, but what you're doing is actually driving your target audience to your web properties and to your content. So that is like top of the funnel. Like, are we, are we engaging? You know our audience. So that, that to me is the earliest indicator. Like, all right, these programs are, are doing what they're supposed to be.
3: But to the second the second part of the question, I can speak one hundred percent from experience here at Smartbook. So we've been entirely an inbound organization, been very, very successful, but you know, as we look to scale, you you know you need to rely on additional channels and be very prescriptive about the way that we build our business. So great example of how, as an organization for ourselves, we started dipping our toe in the water of ABM is through vertical campaigns. So we identified, okay, we already see that we have been really successful working with financial services organizations, um, senior care, healthcare, and SaaS companies. So we identify, and then there are more, manufacturing, professional services, you know, we kind of have a longer list. So we said, let's just focus on three right now. Let's focus on SaaS, financial services, and senior care. And now let's build out some account-based campaigns specifically focused on those verticals, all the while having our regular intelligent inbound engine turning. Engine That's a really great way to start because it's just narrowing the focus of the inbound efforts that you've been doing. And it allows you this playground to be able to test um, and then from there, you can you can grow that out, right? So we can then grow that out to additional verticals or it might be to additional regions as we start to expand a bit more. Yeah,
1: I think those are both great responses. Um, the next, I would want to ask about your perspectives on something that Sam puts on LinkedIn a lot, which I think can be controversial if you're an inbound, which is the idea that marketing should be, be- measured based on sales results rather than marketing's ability to fill the top of the funnel. Uh,
0: so, what is your perspective on that topic? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I would, if we don't have a shared outcome, so it's like music to my ears. I love it when Sangram puts it out.
3: there. <laughs> yeah. I've never let me think about this. Like, so when I worked in a nonprofit, I was in charge of marketing, but I was really in charge of sales because. Every day, I would come to the office, and then I would wait for this Excel report, this Excel spreadsheet that would say how many tickets we sold the day prior. And, the, and it was, this was because I old. So, <laughs> so we didn't have very cool. four, So we didn't have things, but truly, I mean that. So so everything was always based on that on that number. So I tr- I truly don't know another way. Like I don't know how to function as a marketer that isn't focused on that share the share revenue goal. That's baked into me because if we didn't hit our numbers, we didn't hit our ticket sales numbers at that nonprofit, people lost their jobs or we went on furlough, right? So, um, so that to me was so instrumental in the way that kind of I I built things. I think I think that revenue number has to be owned by everyone in the organization, and and not just the revenue, not just the top line revenue number, but also churn, right? And I yeah. applaud organizations, applaud organizations that have the entire company, whether you're a developer, you're an accountant, whoever you are in the organization, but or you're focused on churn. So let's say somebody has an issue with, like, they get like, the wrong bill or in, they have an invoicing issue. The experience that they have with that individual interacting in your accounting department, that shapes the customer experience that they're having and has an impact on your churn number as well.
1: I That's was actually was going to be about that, was about the customer experience and how maybe... I guess marketing, but also how you can leverage ABM after that contract is signed to continue to, you know, see positive results after they become a customer. So with metrics like churn, with metrics like upsells and expansion deals. So how have you guys had experience maybe implementing ABM after the fact, like after they've gone through the sales process and what does that look like and what kind of metrics can organizations put in place to hold, you know, not just marketing and sales, but the entire company accountable for, you know, the customer experience.
0: And one thing that I would say is like, it's not necessarily, you know, the outcome, but like the, just the Intel that you can provide your CSMs or account managers today on what their customers are doing, right? Like, so as an example, Right. Like, you know, a lot of companies, you know, enter into Terminus and it's, you know, advertising is kind of the focus. Right. And we've got a couple of modules, you know, that, that they could grow into. And so by giving visibility to our CSMs that, hey, your customer is actually on our website, you know, and, and engaging in, you know, all of our measurement and analytics content or they went to this webinar that was around measurement. Right. Like it's it signals that you can. Give not only to salespeople, but CSMs on on what their customers are doing to better inform timing of their outreach too. I mean, if you think of most CSMs and most organizations, they'd all say they have too many accounts, right? And and, and they're not sure where to prioritize what they're doing. And so for me, I, I just love the data that you know, is coming through ABM programs that can inform the entire organization on on whether it's you know a prospect or a customer on what they, what they're doing. So that's that's powerful for me because that that can that can drive a lot of different things, right? You can also give them intel. Hey, there's they're on your competitor's website, right? Might be time to reach out and figure out why, right? So so I'll shut up and let Jim carry on. But like that, that to me is the, the probably the most powerful thing that I'm seeing.
3: I, I, I agree. One of the, like the, the most like heart-sinking experiences I have had, unfortunately, a couple of times uh, here in my role is talking to someone who said, hey, you guys built our a website for us last year, which was great. Thank you. We love it. But do you guys also do, and they like, list off one of the services we offer and we do all the time. And then you're like, it's on the website. We blog about it all the time. I don't shut up about it on social media. Like, are you kidding me? So you can't assume that your customers know everything because they've come. They've come to you when they came to you, right? And it, they had a very specific problem, a very specific pain that you were helping them solve, and they were so like focused on on alleviating that pain, which is great. But um, you want to make sure you're continuing to educate those educate those customers and incentivizing the entire organization to keep those customers happy and. Better understand how those customers are actually using your product or your service, and where you might be able to help them in, in other ways as well.
0: Yeah, well, I think, you know, I'd say just to you know kind of close out this portion of it. It's been it's been fun to watch, right? The the you know the the transition in regards to the strategies that people are coming to us that they want to solve for, and and there's been more and more engagement with us to say like, help me. Like we, we know our customer base, but we have eight product lines, right? Like. You know, can we be leveraging ABM to like, you know, to, to expand in these organizations? And it's like, it's, the, it's a fantastic fit because you don't have to go through like, uh, what accounts are we going after? You know, and all it's like, you already know the accounts. And then you put together a program to introduce them to your other other product lines. So it's, you know, becoming more of a prevalent use case, you know, for us than early on, which, you know, the primary use case was demand gen. Yep.
1: Well, that about wraps up our questions. I know Sagar usually runs through a couple of key takeaways yes. for everybody still tuning in. Yeah.
2: So the key, I mean, I I took a bunch of notes on this, and I think one thing. Well, there are several things. So I'll just give maybe two things that really top of mind for me. One is you you both touched on this idea that look, it is not inbound versus ABM. So I think let's just take that out of, If anybody out there listening right now is trying to think, well, I need to be an ABM organization. If you want to be a successful organization, that should be the main thing. You probably should have both inbound and ABM as two initiatives that are working in tandem. And there are going to be deals that you want to close through inbound. And there are going to be deals that you're going to be hyper-focused doing ABM. And if you go talk to your sales team, they probably already are doing some of the ABM stuff. So just partner up and start not out. So both of you kind of share that. The second thing was the whole idea of trust. I personally believe that wherever there are rules, you know, you know that trust is kind of breaking down, right? It's just like every time if somebody's getting asked too many times the numbers they prove everything, you should start looking for a job. So that's the you need to build trust based on the fact that it is, and I think Tom, you said that it is built over time. And and then I think Jen, you added on to is like it is built by showing results slowly one thing at a time and just build that all. So those two things don't look at ABM inbound as like enemies. You should look at them as friends and do it at the right time, the right way, and you should figure it out. And the second thing is like build trust because you don't want to have a bunch of rules. You don't want to have a bunch of SLAs between sales and marketing. Have the same goals, have the same KPIs, and I think the metrics go in. So I feel like those are the two big takeaways for me from it.
1: Awesome. Well, with that, we have officially rounded out the fourth and final session our series. Mm-hmm. So Thank you to everybody who's joined us today. Jen and Todd, thank you guys so much for joining us as our speakers. And we hope you guys are able to get value out of this series and feel free to reach back out to us if you have any questions that we weren't able to answer for you today while you're on the webinar. We'd be more than happy to, you know, fill you in on that. So with that, I hope you all have a wonderful week and we will see you soon.
2: Thank you so much.
0: You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast.